What a powerful series this has been. And grab your Bibles and turn with me to the Gospel of John. Gospel of John. We're going to be in the Gospel of John, chapter, chapter number 9 today. Chapter 9 is where we're going to be. And because of time, I'm not going to read the text in, in completion, which is what I typically do. I'm just going to go line upon line today, and you can follow along with me in the Word of the Lord. Well, you look good this morning. You look good this morning. Last week, I was worried about you. But, but you look good today. You look good today. Uh, I know that both overflows are in full operation today, and we just thank God for the family of God gathering together. Aren't you glad to be with the family today? Amen. We're so thankful that you're in the house of the Lord, even in the overflow rooms, even in the overflow rooms, online family. We're grateful that you're here today. I'm going to preach to you for the next two and a half hours on the subject. I will be eternal, but not everlasting. Somebody say amen. amen. Just for the next little bit, I want to preach to you under the subtitle in this series, When God Plays Dirty. I just want to ask you a question. What happened to you? What happened to you? Have you ever met somebody and they didn't look near as good as they did the last time you saw them? They <laughs> just got awkward. And you look over at them and you go, if you're in the right relationship, you'll go, my God, what happened to you? Maybe they went through a complete metamorphosis and all of a sudden they were real skinny or they were real heavy and this been a few months and then all of a sudden you walk back in and you're like, my, they done lost some weight. And you look at them and go, what, what happened to you? Or, or maybe somebody has been locked up in chains, they've been locked up in stuff, they've been locked up in all kinds of stuff, and then you walk by them and the joy of the Lord is all over them, and they, they're operating in a level of freedom, and, and there's something on the inside of you that says, I need to understand what happened to you, because I believe if you'll tell me what happened to you, it'll build my faith. And listen, what it means when you make the statement, what happened to you, or you hear what happened to you, what they're saying is that you've gone through something, and there has been a shift in your life life. What happened to you means you don't look like you used to look. What, what happened to you is a question because we realize or someone realizes instinctively that there has been a metamorphosis, there has been a evolution, there has been something that was one way that is no longer that way anymore. And we find this in the Gospel of John chapter number 9 about, about this particular man who has been blind since birth and he has gone through a metamorphosis, he has gone through a significant change. We, we call it in church a miracle. Anybody grateful that Jesus performs miracles? Preach with me. Y'all going to preach with me this morning? Come on now. Here we go. You ready? And they looked at him and they said, the disciples look at Jesus and say, Jesus, listen, listen, what happened to this man? That who is it that sinned? Was it him or was it his mother and father that sinned? What happened to him that he would be born with this kind of defect? He would be born with this kind of lack. He would be born, born with this kind of void. He would be born with this kind of exception. He would be born with this kind of ailment. What is it? Who is it that did something wrong that would make this particular situation be the, the proverbial reward of the, of the sin of somebody that this child is going to have to deal with, this child has been dealing with for the entirety of his life? Who 
is it that did it wrong? Because only somebody doing something wrong could have caused this kind of void. Anybody ever wondered why God allows certain people to go through certain things, certain families, to deal with certain, what, what the world would describe today as exceptionalities, what we would have said years ago is disabilities. Isn't it interesting that even in the text of the gospel, when it was written in its current form, that we were seeing people, children being born with what the culture would say is an exceptionality. And the reason that thing is an exception is because somebody must have done something wrong to produce it. And Jesus looks at him and says, guys, I allowed this lack I allowed this void. I allowed this exception. I allowed this ailment because I have poured purpose into this man's pain. Mm. That ought to be good news for somebody in the room who feels like you've been dealing with a life sentence of lack, void, or ailment. Because what God is saying, what Jesus is saying is the reason why I allowed it is because there's purpose on the inside of it. If you've ever gone through a tough season, if you've ever gone through a tough life, if you've ever gone through problems of significant or substantial status, I want you to know that God has purpose on the inside of every pain. Jesus says, verse 4, I, I, I must work the works of him who sent me. The, the reason why this young boy is now this blind man is because I have allowed him to be set up for divine purpose to be released, and I'm allowing it because I have a purpose for that young boy, that now man's pain. And what Jesus is saying is, he's saying that, that I've allowed him to happen, but I must, in verse 4, I must work the works of him who sent me. In other words, Jesus is saying, God's got a purpose for this, and God's got a purpose for me being here, and him being here, and the issue being here, because what God wants to release is for somebody to see something happen in this man that will build their own faith. Let me say it in, in a way maybe you can grab it. Sometimes you go through things not for you. Sometimes we go through things for what someone else needs to see God do. And, and the reason he, well, and, and as selfish people, and when we get carnal, we'll look at it and they go, well, they should have, God should have just let them deal with it. If they got a lack of faith, they should be the ones being tried. Well, if they were the ones being tried and they had the lack of faith, they wouldn't be able to go through what you went through. And survive. That's why he said, "To much is given, much is required," because he knows that every time he releases something that is not pleasant to the person of promise, he lets them know, "I trust you," because I will never put more on you than you are able to handle. And I'm not going to put it on them because they could not have gone through what you went through and made it out. But here you are today, and you may still be working it out, but praise God, he's working it out, and you are sooner or later going to make it out. Somebody ought to just give him praise for that. But look at what Jesus says. He says, who sent me while it is day. And then he prefaces by saying, the night is coming when no one can work. 
He's talking as it relates to a man who's been blind since birth. All this man has ever known is darkness. When he was a child, he was born in the dark. When he was conceived, he was born in the dark. When he was given birth to, he was born in the dark. Every birthday was a dark day. Every Christmas was a dark day. Every anniversary was a dark day. Father's Day, dark day. Mother's Day, dark day. There was no point in this young boy's existence that has now matured to the place of being a man where he did not live in perpetual darkness. And Jesus says, I know it's been night for you all your life, but the problem with your darkness is you have now had an encounter with light. Okay, let me just be practical for a minute. There is no place on earth that darkness outweighs light. You can go into a light room and bring darkness, and darkness will never overshadow the light. But you can bring even a small light into the blackest of days, into the blackest of rooms, into the darkest of rooms. And I want you to understand, that one little beam of light will be enough beacon for somebody to navigate to because darkness will never outweigh the light. Light will always turn off darkness. And in our church and in our culture today, church culture, we want to run even into the house of light and talk about how dark things are. I got news for you. Jesus said, there's going to come a day when night is going to be here and nobody can work. But look at what he says in verse 5. But as long as I'm in the world, you didn't hear what I said, as long as I'm in the world. Okay, maybe you didn't get it. Does anybody have Jesus on the inside of you? That as long as Jesus is in the world, I don't care how bad Rona gets, I don't care how bad division gets, I don't care how bad poverty gets, I don't care how bad war gets, I don't care how bad pestilence, as long as Jesus is in the world, the light will still outweigh the darkness every time. If you can find a place where Jesus is, you'll find a place where light is. If you can find a place, if you can find a person where Jesus is, you have now found light that will overwhelm the darkness. Somebody in this room ought to give it praise that the light turns off darkness. And this is why we come here. This is why we worship here. This is why we're going to three encounters here. This is why SMC is joining here. This is why we serve here. This is why we give here. Because we're not given to a minister and we are not given to a ministry. We're letting the Lord know that every place where the enemy wants to put darkness, we are embedding it into the place where light is and we want his light to shine like a city on a hill. Cannot be extinguished. Because darkness trembles when the light is on. <laughs> uh, when, when he said this in verse 6, when, when he said this, he, 
he just moved over to the man with the, the blind eye. He said, look, yeah, he, this, this dude's been in darkness all his life. But as long as I'm here, there's light. Darkness, your dark situation has now encountered light. And the, everybody close your eyes. Close your eyes. Tell me what you think of with this. Oh, Jesus, that worked. Oh, Jesus, that worked. Touch me, Lord. Open your eyes. It's the next sound the dark man heard. He didn't see Jesus, but he heard Jesus do something. Let me say that again. He didn't see Jesus, but he heard Jesus was doing something. He, he just heard that Jesus was doing something. He, he listened to the sermon about darkness and light, but then he heard Jesus start doing something. See, whether he was doing it for the man or he was doing it because he had phlegm or, come on, it was his seasonal allergy season or whether he was looking at a Pharisee or a Sadducee and wanting to bless them. Come on, he had no clue. All he knew was that Jesus was doing something. He didn't know if he was doing something for him. He didn't know if he was doing something for himself. He didn't know if he was doing something for the neighbor beside of him. He didn't know if he was doing something for somebody else in the section. But all he knew that he was in a situation where he needed the healer to come in and show up. And as long as he heard Jesus was doing something, that was enough for him to remain in the audience. What am I saying? I'm saying if Jesus is working a miracle over here, why wouldn't you want to be where Jesus Jesus is working miracles. If he's working a miracle here, why wouldn't you want to be where Jesus is working? As long as he's working, that's where I want to be. He, he, he spit on the ground. This blind man is not watching anything. All he's doing is hearing that Jesus is doing something. And he hears Jesus spit into the ground. He, he took his saliva that was on the inside of him. Okay. He took what was inside of him and released it into the dirt. Mm, my God. He, uh, are you hearing what I'm saying this morning? He didn't go grab water from, 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 from smart water. He didn't go to the water fountain. He, he didn't look at his disciples and say, hey, could you come here at Hakalugie real quick? I need to work in something. He said, the only way this issue is going to be dealt with is if I release what's already on the inside of me. It wasn't on the inside of the preacher. It wasn't on the inside of the Pharisee. It wasn't on the inside of the Sadducee. It wasn't even on the inside of the disciple. He had to release what was in him into something that he was about to use to be a miracle. Saliva was the water that was inside of divinity. 
It was the water on the inside of divinity that was released called saliva. But I want you to see what he did. He didn't spit on the man. Here we go. You ready? He didn't spit on the man. He spit on the... It wasn't Jesus spitting on the need. He did not release what was in him on the need. He released what was in him into more dirt. And divinity and dirt produced this thing called clay. That's my wife's maiden name. I'm not preaching about you, okay? Her entire family says that they were all born perfect, and everybody was born perfect, but when you sinned, that God changed your name from clay. And I said, you bunch of reprobates, I'm going to rescue you and change your name. Hallelujah. It was, clay was the mixture of divinity and dirt. Hang with me. Jesus took what was inside of him and put it inside of more dirt. And the mixture of what the dirt was with what divinity was mixed produced something that Jesus was about to use to perform a miracle. He, he took what was inside of him and put it inside of the dirt. Now, in Genesis, we talked about it just a couple weeks ago, that, that he formed man from the dirt of the ground. And there in that moment, he was formed, but he had no function. Because just because you have a shape doesn't mean you have a purpose, that you're able to live. Just because you can stand doesn't mean you're living. Just because you may look like you exist, it does not mean you have real life. And there are many of us in our church world today where we look like we got it all together. But the truth is we're not living in abundant life. Why? Because in Genesis, he breathed the breath of God on the inside. He took what was inside of him in Genesis and released it into the dirt in that moment. And that man became a living being. Here in the New Testament, Jesus has come on the scene and he says, I'm going to do the same thing that happened in Genesis. But instead of me breathing what's in me into the dirt, I'm going to take the water in me and release it into the dirt. Just in case you didn't know that everywhere you see water and you see breath or wind, it is a picture, it is a type, it is a shadow of the Holy Spirit where God is saying, I want to get what's in me on the inside of you. And if you got me on the inside of you and I've got you coming in alignment with me then there are miracles that can manifest Amen. Jesus took what was in him called divinity and because it was water he released it into the dirt but look at the text well maybe you don't feel like this you well then you've got to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4 where God says that he has placed a treasure in jars of clay. Because you and I have been made from the dirt. We've been made from the dust of the ground. We're a prime candidate for divinity to be released into. Jesus does something very interesting. He, he takes the clay in his hand. And then he wipes it on the need of the man. 
Come here, come here, Phil. Come here, Pastor. So you decided to drive from West Virginia, so you're going to have to just endure this. Come on up here. Watch this. Close your eyes. He, he didn't. This is the hand of God. This is not. This is the illustration. There's a lot of preachers who think they are. That's not here. Jesus easily could have just taken divinity and sandwiched divinity against the need. You got nervous, didn't you? That's why I said close your eyes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Close your eyes. He could have just slapped divinity up against the need. Oh, and your bald head would have popped really good. Speak the word. All right, I'll preach. When you're Jesus, you can do whatever you want. But he said, I'm not going to just take me and put me against the need. What I want to do is take what's in me and put it in something that is neither me, fully me, or need. And take the need into my take what I put in divinity in the dirt called clay in my hand and sandwich the clay. This is just a rag, okay? And I haven't used it yet, so this is not special. <laughs> and he sandwiched the clay between the hand of God and the need of man. Just in case you hadn't figured out where you fit in this conversation, you are not the man in need, and you are not the God who heals. You are the thing that he wants to put divinity in and then sandwich you between his hand and the need of somebody else. You are the clay that he wants to use. In a couple of weeks, I'm going to have a potter's wheel up here. And those of you that know about the potter's house, you already know where I'm going. Hallelujah. But I want you to know that you and I, we are the clay. And he is the potter. And I'm so glad to know that he's willing to scoop me up from where I am, put divinity on the inside of me, and sandwich me between his hand and the need of somebody else. I want you to understand today. He created me to be, oh, maybe you don't get it this morning. So I just took the time to write it down. Here it is. You ready? I hear so many people tell me, I just want to know what my purpose is. I just want to know what my purpose is. I just want to know what the call of God is for my life. I just want to know what destiny is. Let me help you. Here it is. You ready? Purpose is found when you allow the hand of God to apply you to the need of someone he loves. You know you're going in purpose when you have been put between the hand of God and the need of somebody is. You know you're walking in purpose when the hand of God is on one side and the need of somebody else is on the other. You're walking in purpose because you're in his hand but you're functioning in that man's or woman's need that he loves. Do you know the joy that is found in being somebody's miracle? Conduit? Do you know the joy 
of what it's like to be used by God. We, we're so worried about being used by the man. We're so worried about being taken advantage of by the needy that we have forgot on the other side of this coin is the very hand of God. Well, Pastor, how do I function? It's real simple. You ready? Real simple. Now we have to crucify self to get there. Find a need, fill it. If God brings you to a need, you've got to decide, is he bringing you with his hand to that situation and wanting you to fill the need? Find a need and fill it. Well, I just feel like everybody that comes up to me is so wounded. Then find that wound and heal it. There is a healing balm in Gilead. Could it be that he brought them to you because he wants to scoop you up out of what you're in and apply it for miracle territory? Find a need and fill it. Find a wound and heal it. Could it be the reason, oh, here we go, you ready? Now, if you're visiting today, I'm not talking to you at this church, but I am going to talk to you about your church. The thing that frustrates you so much may be the very thing you're called to. My God, they won't help me at all in this parking lot. Maybe God's calling you to flag ministry outside versus inside. I'm so frustrated with, with our kids' ministry. Maybe God's calling you into kids' ministry, not calling you to be the critic of kids' ministry. Could it be that he wants to scoop you up? My God, these kids are crazy in there. Then bring your gun. Don't bring your gun. Maybe a taser, but don't bring your gun. Don't even bring a taser. Just bring some NyQuil. Hallelujah. We'll call it communion. <laughs> Come alive. Go to sleep in the name of Jesus. Go to sleep. Yeah. Uh, we don't drug here. <laughs> could, could it be that the very pain point of you is also the very purpose point for you? Don't, don't you want to be involved? I, I, I don't want to always watch miracles. And I don't want to always experience miracles. Sometimes the greatest thing is when God scoops me up. Okay. Watch this. For me to scoop up this towel means I have to lift it from where it is into where I need it so that I can control it. God doesn't want to use you on your level. He wants to use you on his level. Because if you stay on your level, you can control what's happening. But for you to yield, you must allow him to elevate you so that only your success is contingent upon what he's doing with you. He says, 
Now, you're going to like this part. You ready? Go. <laughs> Verse 7. I knew you'd like it. Verse 7. Look at this. Go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. You don't have to even study in the Strong's Concordance of the Greek or the Hebrew to get this one. You ready? He gives it to you, which is translated the place of the scent, where scent people go to be washed. I want you to go and wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. And he went and he washed and he came back. Hang on. The miracle did not happen. Here. Oh, if I could just get the preacher, if I could just get the evangelist, if I could just get the intercessor to lay their hands on me. The miracle didn't happen at the altar service. The miracle was released at the altar service. But the miracle happened where Jesus' presence wasn't. Oh, God, I hope you hear me today. In order for the miracle to manifest, he had to leave the presence of Jesus. He had to leave where the presence of the healer was if he was ever going to walk in his healing. In order for the miracle to manifest, he had to leave the presence of Jesus. Watch this. Not leave because it was service over, but leave because God released an obedient command for him to operate in. He said, I need you to leave here because there's some things I'm commanding you to do. And what I'm commanding you to do, you can't do in here in my presence. So I want you to leave my presence so that you can walk in my obedience. I want you to leave my presence so that you can do what I said to do. Hang on. Hang on. And where I'm sending you is where I send sent people. See, he didn't say go. He said, I'm sending you. Well, where am I going? I'm going to where sent is to go. Huh. Okay, here's a blind man. That's going to have to find his way to where sent people go. And not only is his defect his issue, but now God has put something on him to make people walk as he's walking go, well, I'm used to you being blind, but what happened to you? I'm used to seeing you with your lack. I'm used to you seeing you with your void. But now you got something else going on and what? What happened to you? Have you been blind for so long you can no longer function to wash your face? But when Jesus puts something on you, let him talk about you. 
Oh, you didn't hear what I said. When Jesus puts that thing on you, let them ask whatever they want to ask. What you have to do, even if you're going to stumble your way through the dark, you just got to function and be obedient to go where Jesus has sent you to go. I got to leave his presence so that I can walk out my obedience to make sure I'm doing what the master told me to do. And I don't know where I'm going. I'm following along blindly. I can't see the next step in front of me. I don't know if a person's going to cut across me. I don't know if traffic's going to destroy me. I don't know if I'm going to never have a job. I don't know if I'm going to be able to walk in the fullness of my, but I don't know what's going to happen because I can't see it all. All I know is I'm going to trust what I heard the master say, and I'm going to walk this thing out because this is what sick people do. Uh, he left the presence of Jesus so he could walk in the command of Jesus. See, God will allow you time out of his presence just to show you how committed you are to his command. Let me say, anybody ever gone through a season like, I just, I just don't even feel God. I don't, I don't even feel him. I, it's like I'm praying to him and he's just not even answering me. It's like I, I know he can, but the question is, will he? He will leave you in seasons where you never feel him so that you will, can function in the obedience of what he already told you last to do. But you don't understand. I forgot my cane. I forgot my crutch. I, got, I forgot the thing I'm leaning on to get me where I don't even know where I'm going. And God will allow you to have every crutch removed, every cane removed, everything you think you need. He'll let you walk long enough to say, I'm going to trust him or I'm not going to trust him. I'm going to believe in him or I'm not going to believe him. Job said, though he slay me, yet will I praise him. I'm going to operate as if he told me the truth the first time. But most of us quit because we don't want to go through the process. Oh, I sound like the Philadelphia 76ers now. It's all about the process. That's, that's a guy joke, by the way. It's all about the process. Hear me. The older I get, the more I realize that I'm in destiny every day. It's not, there's not some destination as long as I'm in his presence, I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. And every step is a trust step because I know even if I stumble, he will catch me because I'm falling after him. So, Jesus says, go and, and uh-oh, here it is. I'm sorry. Wash. Wash. Jesus said, there's some things on you that you're going to have to take care of. If you're going to see the miracle manifest, there's some things you're going to have to do. You, you, he spoke the word of financial freedom over your life. But your credit card bill keeps showing up because you keep swiping it. That's 
Oh, it is quiet in this Holy Ghost filled church now. The word of Jesus over your life is healing to your body, but you still break bread with Ronald and Wendy four times a week. Come on. Come on. You're the cow at Chick-fil-A. <laughs> Jesus, I repent. I repent right now. The word of Jesus is you're a husband. The word of Jesus is you're a wife. But you won't stop being a side chick or a side rooster. Here you are a good thing, but you're living in such a devalued way. It's not that he's a liar. It's that you won't go through the process. He might leave me. It might be the best thing for you. She might find somebody else. You might be thankful 10 years in. You see, it's not that the word will not work. It's that the word will not work if you refuse to walk out what he said. So the moment he releases the word over my life, I have to assume it's true. So if he's going to release the word of financial breakthrough in my life, I have to start acting like I'm not in bondage. If he's going to release the word of healing over my body, I have to start taking my body as if it is the word of the Lord and I have to put the right things and doing the right things to make sure that God's miracle is manifested. Watch this. Not because he needs me to do it, but because he needs me to be obedient so that he doesn't put a miracle that we mess up again. Come on. I know this is a hard word. I got tacos coming. <laughs> Holy Spirit, today show us what we need to walk out. Show us what needs to be washed out of our life. Holy Spirit, show us what it is that may be permissible but not beneficial for our lives. God, help this culture. I, I'm so, okay. Can I get on my soapbox for just a minute? Here we go. You ready? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I am so, every time I want to throw up, every time I want to spit in the ground, when I hear somebody say, my body, my choice. Let me help you in this room. Let me help you watching online. Let me help you listening to the radio. If you are his, you have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God with your body. Your body is not yours. It's not your own. It is not yours. It is not your choice. It is his. And if you are his, then your body is his. Therefore, we have to live in a way to glorify him even in our outer man. Okay, so he tells the man, go and wash in the pool of Siloam, go to the place where sin is and do some sanctifying. So look at the text. 
So he goes. He didn't make excuses for being, don't you see I have a handicap? Don't you see there is a, there, there's a disadvantage to what you're asking me to do? What if I trip? What if I stumble? What if I fall? What if you get your miracle? What if you don't trip? What if you don't stumble? What if you do, don't fall? Or better yet, what if you do trip? What if you do stumble? What if you do fall and you fall right into your miracle and you never have to trip, you never have to stumble, and you never have to fall ever again? What if I told you you only had to trip this last time? What if I told you you only had to stumble this last time? What if I told you the last, the next time you fall is the last time you fall because you've walked into your miracle? Is it worth the trip? Is it worth looking stupid for? Is it worth being nervous about? Is what he says enough for you that you'll go after it, even if it takes you three years to a very difficult program, away from every family and friend that you need, SMC? Because you're just going where sent me. I don't know why he sent me to Siloam, but he sent me. And I'm going. How are you going to pay for it? I don't know how I'm going to pay for it. Come on. But it's just where sent people go. And I'm sent. And I don't know why he sent, why he didn't just send me to a party school. Why he didn't just send me to my community college. I don't know why, but he sent me. I don't know why he's sending me to Judah Kids, because I don't even like kids. <laughs> but I'm going where sent people go. Could it be that while he's using me in those kids' lives, God's manifested a miracle in my own? Come on. So he goes. Uh-oh. And he washed. See, it's not enough to be in the place where cleansing is. There are actually some things you're going to have to clean up. I, I, am, I am so sick. And then you just, okay, I'm going to say it the way, can I say it the way I want to say it? It's only one service. Usually I wait, here baby. I Usually I wait to the second service because there's less saved people in the second service. <laughs> And not that they're less saved as this, they hadn't read that far in the book yet. You know, they just hadn't read that far yet. And if I hear one more minister tell me they're called into ministry, but they're not serving anywhere except themselves, if I hear one more ministry tell me, minister tell me they're called into ministry, and their kids don't even want to listen to them. They are one more minister called into ministry, called into ministry. And their wife won't even sit on the front row because they're disqualified. Husband won't sit on the front row, don't even want to listen to him. You have to wash. You have to wash. Listen, he's coming back for a bride that doesn't have wrinkles. 
Never mind spots or blemishes. How many, how many ministries have we seen in the kingdom that have blemishes, that have spots? He's not coming back even if it's got a wrinkle on it. And we're making excuses for our disobedience and saying, use me anyway. Okay, I'm going here. Okay, I'm going here. We all right? Just, just, if, if I go too far, Josh, leave it on. I don't care. It used to break my heart to see ministries close. See doors of churches close. See ministries shut. There's over 1,700 ministers quit the ministry every month, according to a statistic. It used to break my heart. It used to grieve my spirit. But then I realized they're screwing people up. When you tell people you can't come into his house because you're not vaccinated, show me that in the Bible, and I'll preach it too. You can't come into the American church if you're undocumented. Show it to me in the scripture, and then I'll preach it. I'll preach it too. Well, Y'all all right? I said it. You don't have to worry about it. <laughs> if you have a problem with it, email me at don't give a flip at judachurch.org. <laughs> and I might change it to go somewhere else in Jesus' name at judachurch.org. <laughs> Watch another podcast at judachurch.org. Kiss my <laughs> grits at judachurch. Yep. See, I told you. That's the 11 o'clock service, y'all. That's the 11 o'clock service. Uh-huh. That was the 11, the 11 o'clock just told you who they were. <laughs> Tell people they come and can't come into where miracles take place because it's craziness to me. Making people who are caught in sexual perversion leaders in the church? Come on. You know they living together and you're going to let them lead anyway? You know she got a side chick? Oh, I said it. You know. You know. And you're going to let them, they're caught in sexual perversion, they're caught up. Listen, there's nothing wrong with struggling, but when you're just in out and out flamboyant sin, this is who I am? And because they tied the right of money, you're going to promote them anyway? Maybe you do need to close. Maybe you do need to quit. Go stand up and, hmm, okay, I'm going. I'm going. You're preaching faith over fear, but you've been closed for two years because God can't heal Corona? Come on. They're going to take your nonprofit status? I didn't get into ministry because it was a nonprofit. I, I was called into ministry. I had to lay down my life. Okay. I feel better. I'm glad y'all are here. God bless you.
he went and he washed. Look at this. Because I almost skipped over it because we're so used to it. And he came back seeing. It happened for the man. The miracle he had been waiting on all his life manifested. You know why? Because God is still working. And God is still God. And Jesus still works miracles. And he still makes ways. And he still delivers. And he still keeps promises. And he never asked the man what he wanted. But he supplied the need anyway. Go back through the text. He never even asked the man what he wanted. And then he never even told the man what he was going to do. You'll find no place in this conversation where Jesus said, if you go and wash to the pool of Siloam, I'll heal you. He never even addressed the need of the man, and the man never addressed his own need. He just knew that he was in the presence of the healer. And whatever the healer was telling people to do, he just knew that must be what I need to do. He said, I don't care if that was for somebody else. I'm going to go on that word because I'm looking for the healer to do what he wants to do in me. And if he's got to spit, spit. If he's got to clay, clay. And if I'm going to go, I'll go because I want to walk in what Jesus has decreed over my life. Anybody feel that way? ought to give him praise in the room this morning. Because he was in the presence of the healer. Whatever the healer said, that's what he did. So, I just want to remind you that even in 2021, Jesus still has the final word over every situation. He has the final word over COVID. He has the final word over America. He has the final word over his bride. He has the final word over perversion. He has the final word over anxiety. He has the final word. He still has the final word because he is truth. And every other man will end up being a liar. So here we are in verse 10. He says, it goes through this whole drama thing with religious people. No, anybody, anybody got time for that today? And they look at him and go, what happened to you? We didn't recognize you because when we see you, all we see is your lack. And your lack is no longer there. What happened to you? We knew you as one thing. We knew you as one way. We knew you as one issue. We knew you, you knew you for what it was. And now you're in a completely different place. You've been shifted. You've been changed. And we can't even recognize you. You are no longer identified by your lack. What happened to you? Look at what he says. Oh, I love this. He said, you want to know what happened to me? A man called Jesus. Mm -mm. What happened to me? A man called Jesus happened to me. What happened to you? That ain't the right question. You should have said, who happened to you? 
<laughs> Listen, I was just stumbling along, doing my thing, trying to get arms for the poor, trying to just function and operate in my dysfunction, trying to operate in my, in, in my unoperable situation. And all of a sudden, a man named Jesus happened to me. Anybody got that same testimony this morning? I was just doing my thing. I was lost and undone without God or his son. And then he reached down his hand for me. A man called Jesus. Watch this. He says, a man called Jesus. You, uh, Jesus, yeah, yeah. Uh, I changed the name. A man called Savior. A man called healer, a man called deliverer, a man called miracle worker, a man called promise keeper. He used some clay. He didn't go dramatic. I was standing there minding my own business. All of a sudden I heard. And this dude hot the loogie. Right up in some dirt. He said he made some clay. See. The details become less important when you've been delivered. What it took to get you where you are becomes less important when you get to walk in what he's decreed. What he used and how he did it with what he used just simply turns into testimony time. He says, a man called Jesus made some clay and then Jesus anointed me. Oh, here it is again. Wind, Holy Spirit in Genesis. Jesus uses saliva, water, Holy Spirit. And now oil is being represented here, Holy Spirit. He anointed me. And then I went where sent people go to get clean. And I got my miracle because I was willing to walk through the process. I got my miracle because I was willing to walk through my process. One of our elders confirmed this Friday night. We're on the phone talking to recent stretch. From Orlando and she said she said pastor the Lord wanted me to tell you that what he is unlocking in this place is a healing center I, I saw it and the Lord told me to tell you that he is the next wave of glory in this room will be one of signs and wonders healings released in this house and I said I said Reese I, I'm with you I'm with you we're watching it now we're watching things take place she said get ready what I love about what God is doing is you would never know it unless I take the time to tell you because the whole service doesn't shut down and God still gets to move or we're not so formed to a time that we allow the encounters to take place with the presence of Jesus. Last Sunday, at the end of service, 11 o'clock, where all the less saved people go. I'm there every Sunday. That's why I'm there. I'm the less saved. Chief among sinners right here. 
A gentleman came, came off the second row at the end of service and said, will you pray for me? So I grabbed one of our prayer team members and I grabbed one of our security guards because I knew he was dealing with stuff. I said, I said, what is the issue? And the man said that my hip has popped out a socket and I've been going and, and the doctors, they're getting ready to have to perform surgery. It's popped out a socket. He said, and because it's popped out of socket, I'm now dealing with severe sciatic issues, and one of my security guards has been battling with sciatic issues as well. So I grabbed him, one of the security team members, and I grabbed him and I pulled him over because less about him being healed, I just wanted him to pray. Sometimes the greatest thing you can do is pray for the person who's going through what you're going through. Some of the, some, uh, if you become the clay, he'll make you too. So I brought him over with one of our prayer team members, and we were praying right here. And, and I was standing beside the prayer team. I just felt the unction of the Lord that the prayer team member was supposed to pray, the prayer of faith in that moment. And the prayer team member began to pray. And I got my hand on the man, and I just happened to be on the side where his hip had popped out. And I'm holding my hand on his shoulder, and I'm holding my hand on the shoulder of, the, the, of one of our prayer team members. And we're praying, and while I'm praying, and I just, when, when I don't feel the Lord release me, I just go, I agree. Because where two or three are gathered and agree. I agree. So whatever he's praying, I agree. I agree for healing. I agree for this hip. I agree. I, I'm, I'm the cheerleader. I agree what he said, what he said, what he said. I agree. I agree. I agree. And while I'm praying, I felt a click. It was on this side here. A click happened in this man's right side. And I'm holding my hand on his shoulder. I didn't know what it was. It freaked me out. I, I just preached two services. I'm a little less spiritual in this moment. I'm tired. I'll agree. But I felt a click on the shoulder. I took my hand off both of them like, that was weird. And the prayer team looked at me and said, you just got healed. Didn't you feel that, Pastor? And I went, I felt something. I didn't say that, but I'm like... So I'm not, oh yeah, glory to God. I don't know. I just felt a click up here. Like, Whatever it was, I didn't do it. Don't sue me. Right? And the man, the man looked at the prayer team member and went. It was out of socket. About to have to get surgery. And with a click. With a click. It wasn't spiritual for me or nothing. All I know is that somebody got in the presence of Jesus and somebody decided to be used by Jesus. so bad. So then I looked at the security guard. 
Now I'm getting a show. Because Jesus is doing stuff and it's not inside the service. So I look at the security guard and he says, Pastor, watch this. I went. He said, Pastor, you don't understand. My sciatic has been hurting me so bad that I couldn't even hardly lift my leg. He said, I still feel the pain, but now look what I can do. It goes above my thigh. Look at what Jesus can do in the same moment. It wasn't even about him, but God did it anyway. Oh, God, stand with me all over the room. About three weeks ago, a man in our church had been diagnosed with stage four liver failure. Stage four. In other words, liver, okay? If you're going to live, you have to have a liver. Are we okay? Stage four. Big problem. No hope. Got the report last week. Went back to the doctor. <laughs> 